AM 1420, WDSM presents Spooky South Coast with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz here to talk with you about the paranormal as we are each and every Saturday night. Broadcasting live on WBSM and on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. And Matt, I don't care what the problem was there. Just blame the board. It's I always do. It's always the board. It's that 1965 board. So, there you go. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the equipment is. <laughs> All right. Well, we promise that uh, we'll, we'll be able to overcome any adversity here in the Spooky Studio as we go forward tonight. We're going to be joined by Jim Harold. You know him from the Paranormal Podcast and from Jim Harold's Campfire. He's going to be talking with us about his book, Jim Harold's Campfire, True Ghost Stories. And we are going to share some true ghost stories with you uh, over the course of tonight. Now, I know there was some some buzz on the Internet and on our message boards. I mean, people were talking about how this was going to be another bait and switch like we did a couple <laughs> years ago on Halloween where we said we were going to tell spooky ghost stories and then we pulled off a War of the Worlds type hoax. Well, nope, nope. This is the real deal. Jim's book is out. It's available wherever books are sold. You can buy it online, and uh, we'll have it set up on the Spooky Store as well if it's not there already. So this is the real deal, and these are the real chilling stories that Jim has heard from his listeners over the years, so he's going to share some of those with us in just a minute. I just want to throw a couple quick announcements out there because Halloween is coming up in a couple days. I want to make sure, because the weather was so bad... Uh, for the last few, you know, over the course of the last few days, I want to make sure people know about this uh, for tomorrow, when it's going to be a little bit better out, and for Monday night. There's a couple of home haunts here in the Fairhaven area where people are actually uh, they've done up their yard, and I'm talking like big time. This stuff makes like Factory of Terror look tame, and these people have put together uh, these home haunts for the purpose of raising money for various different charities. Uh, Matt Broder, who is a spooky South Coast fan, he has put one together over across from the Fairhaven Shipyard. He's raising money for uh, the Shriners. And then we have uh, Manny Souza, another big spooky South Coast fan. He's got the old Oxford haunt over on Oxford Street. And there's something like 17 different haunts around Fairhaven alone. And you can get, go to... Uh, uh, Manny's got a website up there with a map of all of them, so you can check them out and, and try to visit all of them. And then over on uh, Myrtle Street in a Cushnet, uh, there's one that's being set up for Greater New Bedford. I'm sorry, for the uh, Miss New Bedford Scholarship. So uh, those are just a couple of the ones. Those are the ones that I wrote about in a story that's coming up in the Standard Times. But there's uh, there's haunts all over the place. So get out there and check them out and leave a few dollars in the bucket for a good cause. And also tomorrow morning will be the uh, Village PTA Pancake Breakfast at the Elks Lodge in Wareham. It's from 9 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Silent Assassin, you're going to be there cooking some pancakes with me. Yep, I'm going to be there. Moniz, I assume you'll be there eating some pancakes. Actually, no, I'll be... uh, Just play along, Moniz. Okay. All right. (laughs) Get drunk off pancakes. It's uh, it's $4 a person. Four bucks. Oopie-doo. You can't go wrong with that. $4, and it's uh, $15 for a family. Now, the family is the mom, the dad, the kids, not great-grandpa and second cousin twice removed. So, Carl, I know you were planning on uh, bringing your whole neighborhood because you're related to everybody in town, but uh, I don't know if that's going to work, so... All right, those are the announcements. Uh, and again, what about if you, my announcement? Oh, you had an announcement? Yeah. Uh, I am now going to be doing haunted tours at Lizzie Borden's on weekends. And that's where you're going to be tomorrow at, at 9 a.m.? Yep. That's ridiculous, Moniz. Nobody wants to hunt for ghosts at 9 a.m. They want to eat pancakes. <laughs> Bring them down. Rent a van. 
All right. So, <laughs> well, if you want to get in touch with uh, Lizzie Boards and set one of those up, you can give them a call, 508-675-7333. There will be regular tours on the half hour on the weekends. There you go. So just uh, get a hold of them. It's also lizzie-boarding.com. Speaking of which, before we get into things with Jim, we're making them wait while we plug all this stuff. But uh, we do have four tickets remaining for Dead of Winter coming up on February 25th at the Lizzie Boyd and Bed and Breakfast. Uh, you get to investigate with the Spooky Crew and Jeff Belanger. I know Andy Lake's going to be there. I think Spirit Medium Tiffany's coming along. We're going to have a, a big gang there uh, to check out all the haunted happenings there. And you're going to get the run of the place for the whole night. Plus dinner, lectures, book signings, Q&A, all that kind of stuff. Tickets are $125. They are available. If you go to jeffbelanger.com and then scroll down the calendar, you'll see the link for Dead of Winter down the side. And also we've been putting it up on Facebook nonstop. So four tickets left, and uh, that's it. There's only 25 spots, so get them while you can. And uh, let's just move right along with the show. Now joining us on the line is Jim Harold. You know him as the host of the Paranormal Podcast, uh, which he started a little bit before we did this show. And... Now And he's got uh, Jim Harold's campfire as well. Jim, you're a busy guy. I am busy these days, but not too busy to be on the Spooky South Coast show. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for asking me to come on the show tonight. I can't believe it took us this long to hook up with you because, uh, you know, when we started doing this show in 2006, uh, we talked about the idea of podcasting. We didn't know. We barely knew what podcasting was back then. And and we said, <laughs> we don't know if anybody would want to listen to a paranormal podcast. So I type in paranormal podcast into Google, and sure enough, there's your show. Yeah, you know, uh started way back in 2005, and there weren't a whole lot of podcasts. At that point, I think there were 10 or 15 paranormal podcasts. I'm like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do to compete against all these different shows? And, and now it turns out that, uh, geez, there's uh, tons of these things, you know. There, there, there's mm-hmm. tons of shows on the paranormal, but I think it's great because it's getting the, the, the word out uh, about these strange experiences that I think so many people have these days. And I think it's kind of funny now that there's enough of a voice out there in the paranormal community that uh, people can go to all these different outlets and not get, this, even if it's the same guest from show to show to show, they're not going to get the same perspectives. They're not going to get the same questions. Uh, the, exactly. The more interviews there are, the more chances there are to further explore the topic. Yeah, and I think it's fun because um, uh, the, the idea of, for example, with my book, Campfire, I'd start the Campfire podcast. Uh, a few years after I started my original uh, podcast, um, the Paranormal Podcast, and, and people really seem to gravitate towards this idea of having a place to tell their stories. And I think it's because for so long people were told, ah, don't talk about that, mm-hmm. let's not get into that, uh, well, you're weird, or you're crazy, or you're just imagining things. And now I think you know it's very cathartic for people to have all these different outlets to get information from and have places that they can tell uh, their stories. And I'm sure that you have... You know, folks share things on your program and on my program, and of course, big things like Coast to Coast. I mean, it, it, you know, really, the, the voices are out there now, and I think it's a fantastic thing. Well, what I love about the Campfire podcast is that it's it's different. I mean, we get complaints from people, and I'm sure you do too, with Paranormal Podcast, where people say, "I love the show, but I was expecting to be creeped out. I was expecting to be scared." But that's not what shows like yours and ours are about. They're they're about exploring the topics of the paranormal and trying to make them a little bit more accessible to people. But with Campfire, yeah. you get the chance to really give people those chills. Yeah, you know, it is kind of fun. I mean, not all of our not all of our stories are like drop down scary. Some of them are mm-hmm. poignant. Just some of them are weird. But we do have, and I'm sure we'll talk about some tonight. We just do have some really kind of freaky, spooky ones. So. The, the tales kind of run the gamut, but it's uh, it's a lot of fun getting all of them. And again, 
you know, talking to people from all over the world uh, that listen to our program, uh, it's just great to get their stories. It's uh, it, it's so much fun. And it's not always about being creeped out. Sometimes it's a loved one who has gotten a message back to us. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe it's a premonition. Maybe it's a weird dream. Uh, but it's it's all very interesting. And it's more the, it's the personal connection with the paranormal, which is what I like about it. Yeah, the, well, the thing is, is that what I think is interesting is is a lot of times the people that, you know, you think about ghost hunting and those kind of things, and not that I'm anti-ghost hunting or anything like that, but most of the tales in my book are people who were going about their everyday life. You know, they were just doing what they do. They were going to work. They were cooking dinner. They were sleeping, whatever it was, and something visited upon them. Now, we have a couple of ghost hunting stories in there, but the vast, vast majority are uh, just people going about their regular life and then, Something came and found them. And, you know, speaking of which, uh, how were you going about your regular life when you started putting a focus on the paranormal? Well, what happened was, uh, Tim, was uh, uh, I had studied to be a broadcaster in school and ended up working in the broadcast industry and in the media industry, but on the business side. And it always kind of irked me that I never did anything with it in terms of in front of the mic or in front of the camera or whatever. And what ended up happening was... 2005, I've always loved talk radio and heard about this thing called podcasting. And I said, oh, I, I need to try that. I mean, you know, it's a way that the average person can, can have their own radio program. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking about topics. And I'm like, if I'm going to do this, it has to be something I'm passionate about, something I'm interested in, something that will hold my interest and hold the interest of, of the audience. And I remember I'm in my early 40s, and I remember that old TV show In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy, and I loved that when I was a kid. And uh, I kept thinking about what would interest me the most. I thought sports, I couldn't add anything. Politics, you know, uh, I'm not a Rush Limbaugh. Um, music, you can't really do music on podcasts because of rights issues. And I thought, well, what's one thing that's interested me my whole life? If I go into a bookstore, where it's the first section I go to? If I go to the television, what's the first thing I look for? Anything on the paranormal has fascinated me my whole life. So I started it in 2005 thinking, I'll do this six months and I'll have all the answers. Well, guess what? <laughs> six years later, I have more questions than I have answers. Yeah, well, that means that you're doing it right. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're delving into it enough that more questions keep popping up, that's when you're actually involved in the field. I mean, too many of these podcasts that have popped up in the last few years have become – too much of people who think that they have all the answers, people who think that they know everything. And the one thing that drives me crazy is when you have hosts who talk over the guests and, and basically try to expose their knowledge all over the guests, and, and the guests don't get a chance to have their say. And you know that's something that I know that would never happen on your show. No, I, I'm pretty adamant about that. I mean, the way that I look at it is this, is that if people wanted to listen to a show of me just talking, uh, I could open up the mic and I could record 30 minutes of me talking. Uh, quite honestly, I don't really know how well uh, that would do. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's far more interesting to hear what the guests have to say and uh, to bring a variety of uh, uh, theories. I mean, I had a guy on the show tonight, I shouldn't say a guy, a uh, Benedictine monk who thinks that UFOs are, uh, uh, are demons. Now, uh, do I necessarily agree with that? I, I don't know that I agree with that, but I think it's a fascinating theory, and uh, we want to get the we want to get those theories out and get those viewpoints out, and that's why it's so great to 
have people come on and tell their stories because that's an opportunity uh, for them. Because, you know, the average person doesn't get a lot of opportunity to share, you know, with thousands of people what's happened to them. So that's why I enjoy doing the campfire. And, and while, while we have you on before, I do definitely want to talk more about the campfire and about some of these stories that are in the, the new book. But I do want to ask you this, because one of the things that we suffer a little bit of criticism about is that when we have guests like that who have kind of out there theories – some people feel like we don't challenge them enough. And, and I sometimes feel like it's not really our job to do that. It's our job to ask the questions that the audience might have, but it's not our job to take them to task for whatever their beliefs are. We're just a medium for them to share their beliefs, and it's up to people that listen yeah. to it to walk away and make up their own mind. I agree, actually. I, I mean, in this case, I, I did, uh, the guest came back and said something like, well, technologically, it would be totally unfeasible to travel from the stars or whatever. And I said, well, uh, you know, I challenged him a little bit and said, you know, 200 years ago, people would say going to the moon was an impossibility. Mm-hmm. And for all the technological challenges, and, you know, occasionally I will throw in kind of a devil's, no pun intended in this case, mm-hmm. <laughs> a devil's advocate uh, question. But again, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not uh, into kind of uh, ambush journalism or anything like that. Again, I may ask, the skeptic may say, uh, people who disagree with you may say. I may ask a question like that occasionally, but at that point I let it go and let them have their say, and exactly as you say, I've had people with diametrically opposed theories on my program, and it's not for me to say who's right, who's wrong. It's for me to be a conduit to bring it to you so you can decide who you think is right and who you think is wrong. Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's how radio works, and I don't think people understand that because they they see too much of this combative, you know, Bill O'Reilly, Rush Limbaugh, you know, Al right. Franken type approach, and they think that that's what it's supposed to be. But you know, talk radio when it's done right is an open forum and an open dialogue. I agree. I agree very much, and it's so much fun to do it. And it brings out people, as you know, people are very passionate about this, and they'll say, "Well, you had somebody who's a ghost hunter, and they use this technique, and well, they're all wrong, and they're doing it wrong," and they get very, very upset. But uh, I, I'm. I, I had somebody had said to me, uh, because I had somebody with a certain belief on, well, I'm not going to listen to any more of your shows. And I said, well, I'm sorry you feel that way, but I reserve the right. It's my program. I'll have people of all different views on my program, even if I strongly disagree with them. You know, I tend to find that when they say they're not going to listen anymore, that means they'll be the first person tuning in the next week. Because That's right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They want to see if you took their suggestions to heart. Exactly. So, I agree. So now while you've been doing this Campfire podcast and, and all these stories have been coming in, I mean, have you been making a mental note and thinking at some point that you would want to find a way to collect them all and, and bring them across to readers? Or was it something that just became so overwhelming because the call was out there for it? Well, I think what happened was a combination of things. I, I knew from the very beginning that there was a possibility if this podcast was successful that I would want to somehow compile the stories. I didn't know if that would be an electronic form or, or mm-hmm. what it would be. Uh, a book did occur to me. And then, um, well, geez, uh, almost uh, a year and a half ago, I was interviewing one of my author friends, uh, Annie Wilder, about one of her books. And she said, geez, Jim, you ought to write a book with your campfire story. And I got to thinking about it. I did, at first I did the aw shucks thing, I can't do a book or whatever. And then I got to thinking about it, and the, the one thing about podcasts, and for your your listeners who are not familiar, essentially a podcast is a internet radio show on demand. 
that you can listen to anytime you want. Nothing more complicated than that. You can listen right at the website or use your iPod, iPhone, Android phone. Pretty much any device will, will play them back. But people get all like, oh, that's too techy. I can't figure that out. So, unfortunately, a lot of people don't listen to podcasts. I mean, this month alone, we'll probably have almost 400,000 downloads of our, our programs. But um, the, the problem is, is that still leaves out millions of people. So I thought, well, you know, what is accessible to everybody? And taking Annie's suggestion, that's why we decided to do this book, because these are great stories, and stories from people all over the world. I hate to think that they're in kind of some, like, little technological prison that people can't figure out. I want to share it with a, a greater world, and, and I hope that the book helps do that. Well, and I think, too, that... Uh... Uh, it's not just that people are afraid of the term podcast, but I think that people digest these stories better sometimes in the written word. It's easier. Sure. It's easier to make that connection when you can get you can get more inside the story when you're reading it instead of just when you're hearing somebody talk about it because you automatically put in the prejudices of hearing that person's voice and hearing the way that they're telling the story, and you can say, right. "Oh, this guy sounds like he's crazy." But when you're reading <laughs> it in the book, you can say, "Wow, you know this this is a very interesting story that I you know I might not have wanted to listen to on the radio, but I can I can really get into it when it's written down in front of me." Yeah, I'm a big believer in presenting content in different ways, and different people like different things. Some people like to listen, some people like to read. And what I tried to do with the stories, really, if you read the book, there are 73 stories there. A few of them are my stories, uh, but um, the lion's share of 68 of the stories are from our listening audience. Uh, there was some editing that went on, but it was pretty minimal because what I wanted to do was preserve the feel and the description that the people had. So I didn't want to make it sound like me telling them their story. I wanted to make it sound like they were telling their story. And so far on Amazon and uh, so forth, the uh, reviews have been very good. So I hope that that was successful. But we wanted to maintain uh, their stories as they were not not really changed them up a lot. And you you probably had to go through the process of, of finding these people who share these stories and asking them if sorry, to share these stories with, with readers? Well, actually, what I did was, is I had in mind from the beginning to do something with the story. So, basically, when people were on, I asked them at that time. Okay. Uh, through the, the, because basically, and if any, if your listeners ever want to come on the show and share any stories, they can just go to jimharold.com, J-I-M-H-A-R-O-L-D.com. There's a little place there uh, at the top that says Campfire Sign Up, and you can sign up to come on one of the shows and, and tell your story. And at that time, you you give permission to, to use it in, in, in whatever medium that we, uh, we distributed it. But it has been, uh, you know, everybody who's been in the book has been thrilled about it. They're like, oh, I can't believe I made the book. And uh, we just have a really great community, uh, a lot of uh, great, uh, I hate to call them fans. I prefer the word friends. Um, and uh, just been great uh, supporting the, 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 the shows and the book. Yeah, we're the same way. We don't look, the word fan kind of weirds us out. So we, yeah, we just say listeners, or you know, we yeah. say if, if, if you know, some of the people who have been listening to a, for us for a long time, we say they're part of the spooky crew. You know, so we we find ways around that. Yeah, fans is just weird. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, w- one of the things that that I have to ask you then, if you are getting all these stories submitted to you and, and you're sharing them with people, I mean. Um, when you are listening to some of these stories, is your BS meter up, or are you just giving people the chance to share their story? Well, in general, I don't edit a lot of stories out. I let people, you know, if I thought somebody had a, a mental issue or something, of course, I, I, I wouldn't put it on the air. But other than that, I, 
I will put stories on the air, even if I don't necessarily buy them. Now, in the book, though, what I tried to do is really hone in on the stories that I thought were the best of the best, the ones that I thought were the most plausible, the ones that I thought were the most unique, the ones that I thought the storytellers were the most sincere. And I've got to say, uh, I do have a general theory of the paranormal. Well, I, I say perhaps 95% of the things that pass for paranormal are not, in fact, paranormal, but people mistake and hoaxes and so forth and so on. Um, uh, and maybe only 5% are really something. But in this case, uh, the, most of the people I talk to on the show, I feel they are being very, very sincere in what they are saying. And you can usually tell. I can tell when people are putting a, a sign and they're like, dude, I saw a ghost, you know, that kind of, <laughs> that oh, kind yeah. of thing. But for the most part on my shows, I think people are sincere. And so many times I get people who are 30, 40, 50 years old, 60 years old sometimes, who will tell me something that happened to them when they were 13. And these stories have really made an impression on them. That's a very common theme. Older people telling me, middle-aged people, uh, you know, people in their 30s telling me stories that happened to them when they were little kids, but they've never forgotten those stories. It really is. It's amazing how much the details of these stories stay with people because it's such an extraordinary experience for them. I mean, I can't tell you, you know, what I ate for lunch last Wednesday, but I can tell you about every paranormal experience that I've had. And, you know, it just seems to be one of those things that people have, you know, amazing recall of it. Uh, and I, I know that there is some concern that they might be filling in details uh, based on, you know, horror stories they might have seen or ghost shows they might have seen on television. But I, I really do feel that when people are sharing these stories, they're giving us an honest remembrance of what they can recall. Yes, absolutely. And I've had people who have come on the show, and they feel as though, you know, you can tell that, there's a little waver in their throat, that this really means something to them. It's not just a joke, and it's not just a goof, but it's something that had a big emotional impact on them, and then they're sharing it with us. So when you are doing the Campfire Stories podcast, I mean, what, what do you have to do to get yourself in the mind frame to listen to these stories, or even to write about them when you're putting them together in the book? I mean, do you have to light a fire and, and sit beside it? <laughs> no, there's no, there's no, no fires with the thing is, is that I really, and it is amazing, because I, I did hit it on the head. I, I said I had to come up with something that really interested me, or interests me. And, and I guess anybody that does anything uh, for a long period of time, there's times that you're more into it than others. Some nights you don't feel like doing a show, but you do a show. But I've got to say, I'm almost always in the mood for it, because... The thing is, is that when people come on the program and tell me their stories, they almost always, always throw me for a loop. You know, after you've heard so many of these stories, you'll start to think, okay, now here's what she's going to say, or here's what he's going to say. And then they'll take it in a totally, totally different direction. And the other fun thing is, and, and this happens almost every week, is somebody will tell me a story that I've not heard one like before. Um, had a great story a couple weeks ago that maybe later I can share, even though it's not in the book. It gives you a flavor of the book mm -hmm. um, about a woman and her mom. Totally unique story. So you, you think that you've heard it all, and then next week somebody will come up with something new. So that's what makes it interesting for me because you never know what you're going to hear. And, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I used to love to sit around and tell spooky stories. Well, I, I get to do this all the time, and it's it's... I mean, it's not always 
sometimes it can be sad, sometimes it can be poignant, but it's always interesting. I'm always interested to hear what people say. And people feel towards me that they'll tell me those stories. I mean, that's, that may, uh, makes me feel pretty honored. And and myself, I mean, my background is in journalism, and I'm always used to being the objective person on the outside of the story that's trying to, you know, document what's going on. And to be able to be involved enough with people that they feel comfortable to tell me things, I mean, it's just a, it's an amazing feeling for me, and it must be even more so for you because you're you're getting these stories on a weekly basis from people. I mean, you must be honored that people have enough trust in you to share these stories with you and have you not be judging them for them. Oh, absolutely. I agree uh, 100%. It is an honor to, to have people share these stories. A lot of times these stories are, you know, about a loved one who passed away, and this is a very poignant thing for them. It's not, uh, you know, it's not, it's not boo. And then sometimes it's lighter-hearted. Oh, we had Ruth. She was a family ghost, and, you know, she'd sit down, and there was an imprint on the couch. You know, those kind of things are more fun, for lack of a better term. But a lot of times it's, it's not necessarily, um, sometimes it's not fun. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it's uh, uh, emotional. Uh, but uh, still, it's great that people come on the program and, and uh, share the story. Whether it be on Paranormal Podcast or on the Campfire Podcast, are there any subjects that you would consider taboo that you wouldn't want to touch on either one of those shows? Within the realm of the paranormal, I can't think of anything. Um you know, I would even, I've never done one, but I would do a show uh, on Satanism, for example, uh, uh, finding out if it's, uh, it's real or a greater, uh, uh, greater investigation of that. I, I mean, as long as it's uh, in good taste and it's not, you know, the, the one thing I would not want to do is anything where we ever suggest anybody do anything to uh, um, harm themselves or harm anybody else, uh, do anything illegal. Um, you know, in fact, I've had shows before where we've talked about ghost hunting and really focused on the idea of being safe when you do that, being respectful to property, not tras- uh, trespassing. And Jeff Belanger, who I know you guys have oh, yeah. uh, had, a lot of, had a lot of work with and a lot of dealings with came on, and we talked about this at great length, being safe when you're ghost hunting. So we try to be responsible. I would never um, propose, I would never um, promote, uh, I would never suggest anybody do anything illegal or harmful or anything like that. But uh, pretty much any topic, I think, is interesting, Um, and and we would be open to discuss it. We're we're pretty much the same way. The one thing that we do have to skirt around sometimes is the the topic of religion. Uh, We do address it, but we do have to be very careful because we have a very religious listenership here on our local airwaves. Uh, so right. we, are, we are real careful about that. But, I mean, people, for the most part, understand that we are going to explore some of these topics. And, you know, as long right. as we don't do it with any biases, there's, there's really no problem. Right. Well, I, I, I agree. For example, I'm of the Christian faith, and my kids are being raised and going to Catholic school, and those are, those are my beliefs. But, you know, we've interviewed pagans before um, and, and witches and, uh, you know, the... the, the um, the gentleman I interviewed tonight is uh, way on the other side. He he thinks that uh, you know the current Catholic Church is liberal, and he uh, uh, he's the one that thinks that the UFOs are demons. So I mean, we'll 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 talk to people on you know uh, one side of an issue or way over on the other side. 
Well, I definitely want to get into some of these campfire stories, especially coming up on the second hour. Uh, but if you have any questions for Jim Harold, you can give us a call, 508-996-0500, You can also email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. Jump in the chat room on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. Or you can send us a text at 508-444-2661. And uh, I want to thank Mark for being the only person that uses the text line, too, by the way. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Money well invested. But uh, one, of the, one of the questions that I do have is when you were putting together this book and you're, you're sitting down there and, and sharing all these stories, did you feel like there was the need to make any interpretations in the stories, or did you kind of just leave them completely as is in the way that the people told them? Pretty much as they told them. Uh, because, again, it, it's the same theory you have. I mean, I think journalism used to be... now. Of course, there's the, the yellow journalism and, you know, crusades where they try to convict people in newspapers and so forth. I'm not talking about that. Mm-hmm. But I think the journalistic idea, and, uh, you know, I don't have a formal journalism degree. I was communications major, so I took a lot of journalism classes. But as I understand it, the idea was to present um, theories, facts, whatever it might be, and let the listenership decide. So, again, I didn't interpret it too strongly. Now, there are a few stories in there of mine that I do interpret it. And again, I mean, I don't, I'm not totally objective. I do say on the shows, I basically consider myself to be a skeptical believer, meaning that I think that most of the things that pass for the paranormal are probably not paranormal at all, but just people being mistaken and so forth, or unfortunately hoaxes or even people with mental issues. But I think there's a few percent that there really uh, is something too. Now, let's take that, though. If you take a few percent of all the different things that are reported around the world, whether it be ghosts, UFOs, cryptozoology, whatever it is, and just, let's say, 3%, there's something strange to them. Well, that's millions of cases. <laughs> so, that's enough. So that's 3% is enough for me. Yeah, that's my point. I mean, I've had Michael Shermer on my show, who is, uh, of course, probably with James Randi, the most preeminent uh, Skeptic in the, the country right now, the editor of Skeptic Magazine, you see him on TV all the time, mm-hmm. uh, when, when somebody has to rebuff a claim and call it uh, swamp gas or ball lightning or whatever. and, <laughs> and the go-to guy for that, yeah? Yeah, and, and I said to him, I mean, we probably agree in 95% of the cases, or 97%. He said, well, and, but I said, what about the other 3%? And he says, well, we understand it could be unknown. We just put it on a shelf. It's like, no, that's the part you want to take off the shelf and you want to look at and try to figure out what's going on. So I don't want to make it sound like I have no beliefs. I mean, I do believe that there is the paranormal out there. I wouldn't be spending this much time uh, investigating it in a way, although I don't consider myself a paranormal investigator. Uh, I believe there's something there. Um, It's just I, I think you have to keep an open mind but not so open your brains fall out. Well, what do you think? I mean, you were start when you started uh, Paranormal Podcast in two thousand five. It was kind of just early enough in this current paranormal boom that it was. You've been able to watch all these shows develop on television. You've been able to watch all this emphasis on ghost hunting and pop culture. What do you think of the state that it's gotten to now? Has it gone to the point now where it's become? It's, I mean, it's not mainstream, but at least it's more in the public consciousness. And has that helped or hurt the paranormal field? Both. Um, I think it's done both. I, I think, uh, and it's so funny you mention this today, because my wife and I were watching a little bit of the Today Show. And this morning they had a segment with Lester Holt and the Weekend Anchors. 
and they were doing a ghost hunt. And as soon as they did the ghost hunt, the spooky music came out, and, you know, the kind of the weird angle shots and all of those things. And the thing is, is that I guess the, the, the issue is that's good in a way because more people are getting exposed to it, but it's bad in a way because it just becomes a big joke. Yeah. And there is no wrong or right answer. I mean, for example, I've talked to, I've had, uh, I've been lucky enough, Dave Schrader from Darkness Radio had me on his program, vice versa. I know he's been very involved with some TV stuff, did Darkness Radio, uh, radio uh, I mean, excuse me, did Paranormal Challenge. Our friend Jeff Belanger was very in, involved behind the scenes in some of the, the programs out there. And so I'm not poo-pooing those shows. I, I mean, I think that they're interesting and they're they're good. I just, sometimes I worry that everything's a stereotype, the way that it's portrayed in the media, and it's always with the X-Files music, and it's always oh, kind yeah. of the same template. I would, what I would love to see, and I don't think it's going to happen because, uh, you know, the, the powers that be would consider it boring television. I've always said that if I did a t- TV show, I would love to do an in-search-of type show where the material is treated like a, a 60 minutes of the paranormal. Sure. That's what I would yeah. like to do. And without the spooky music, without, you know, being dressed in all black, with all, all the stereotypes. But it would never sell. <laughs> because now people have become so desensitized to the paranormal that they need to have that shock factor. That's why a, right. show, a show like Ghost Hunters is good because, you know, Taps can keep it going, but another show could never do the same formula that they do. They have right. to keep improving upon that and finding new ways to bring people in. And I mean, I, we just, uh, Matt Moniz and myself were just recently on uh, an episode of Ghost Adventures at Lizzie Boyd right. Bed and Breakfast. And I was watching it with some colleagues at my newspaper job, and somebody actually said to me, you know, is the way they're investigating, is that what you guys do? And I had to kind of explain that, no, that's their niche. That's what works for them. And right. you know that we would never go to your house and conduct an investigation and act that way, uh, and and you just find yourself having to at least you get the opportunity now to explain yourself right. as somebody who's in the paranormal field, but you know you, now you have to explain yourself too. It's it's kind of that double edged sword. Yeah, I think it's exactly a double edged sword, and um, you know I don't want to go to the bad old days where people didn't feel that they could tell their stories, uh-huh. but occasionally I'd like to have be able to mix in. A little more serious treatment, but uh, I'm kind of skeptical. I mean, TV is a visual medium. Uh, TV detests talking heads, um, and I think that uh, TV needs action. And I totally understand that because, you know, if it were just people standing around looking for ghosts and 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 there was no excitement to it or anything, you know, it probably wouldn't last a show. Um, so I, I understand the media. I've worked in the media. I know how it works. So just occasionally I'd like to see something. And there are some shows like that out there, maybe not quite as um, popular. There's a show called Taboo, mm-hmm. which sometimes gets into to paranormal themes sometimes. Um, there are a few shows out there kind of like that, uh, but I'd like to see more of them. Well, I, I do, uh, like I said, I do want to get into these stories from uh, from the new book, Jim Harold's Campfire, True Ghost Stories, uh, coming up in the second hour. And uh, as you mentioned, jimharold.com is the website if people want to go and find out more about your shows, about your book. And uh, I do want to ask you, though, before we go to commercial, because it's, it's very rare that I get to talk with somebody who, you know, does what we do. And, uh, right. you know, normally we tend to, you know, we, we don't want to talk about the 
the fourth wall. You know, we yeah. don't want to break that down, but it's it's fun talking about this stuff with you. I want to ask you, who would be maybe your top three guests that you've had on the show uh, over the last six years? Brad Steiger. Mm. Uh, Stanton Friedman is always a favorite, and I have to say our buddy Jeff Belanger. Uh, those are my, I, I think those are probably my favorite, although Marie D. Jones is fantastic. I enjoy having her on the program. And there, there are quite a few other people. Dr. Bob Curran, it's really tough. Be, it'd be easier if you were asking me, like, top five or top <laughs> six. But those right there are the ones that I'm thinking of. You know, Brad Steiger is just amazing. He's in his mid-70s, has written over 100 books, 150 books. Yeah. Um, just a real nice man, but very knowledgeable. And he just, Jim, it's so good to be back on the Paranormal <laughs> Podcast. I mean, he's just got this great voice that I can't even mimic. And just fascinating guy, Dr. Curran. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with him. Oh, yeah. He's from mm-hmm. Ireland. He can tell these great stories. He still there's one great story he told about this uh, grandfather who supposedly died and then came back and had dinner with his family and had a drink and then went back to his grave. I mean, just great stories. And uh, you know, Jeff is just fantastic. Kind of in some ways, I mean, Jeff is probably a, he may even be a few years younger than me, but in some ways, he's a mentor. Because I've really looked at what he's done and I've respected what he's done and, and said, I want to be like that guy. Uh, maybe, maybe more so he's more of an author and dabbles in podcasting and I'm more of a podcaster and, and I dabble in books. But, uh, uh, but he's, he's a fantastic guy and uh, just knows a ton about this stuff. you got to be careful, Jim, because Belanger's on his way home from a library lecture in Middleborough. Uh, which is not far from here, so he's probably picking up our signal on his way home. Oh no! So you don't want to say too many nice things about him because he'll, yeah, he's probably ignore everything I just said. It's all a lie. And I have to work with him on thirty odd minutes every Tuesday. Don't swell his head, please. <laughs> it won't fit in it's the impossible. studio. It's impossible. It's impossible to swell his head anymore. No, but he is a great guy, and he is a mentor to pretty much everybody. But what I liked about the list of people that you named there is everybody takes the paranormal in a different direction. You know, Marie's bringing in a lot of these cutting edge theories like the multi theory and you know she's not afraid to shy away from some of the more heady topics that are out there and then you get a guy like brad who's a a pure researcher of this stuff and has been doing it longer than anybody and then jeff who's always willing to look at the sociological aspects of of ghosts and ghost stories i mean everybody seems to have a, a new way and it's not the same thing anymore where it's everybody just you know investigating ghosts and and spouting off what happened everybody's finding new and different approaches uh to the paranormal yeah, absolutely, and not even mentioning, I mean, my, my third paranormal show, free paranormal show, is the Paranormal Report, which I do with Clayton Morris, who actually, and this is not political, he's a Fox News anchor, uh, Fox and Friends on the weekends, and we do a weekly video paranormal news show, and uh, that's a great deal of fun, and that's where we look at clips and talk about different things that have happened throughout the week in the paranormal, report different stories, break it down, and say, do we think it's fact? Do we think it's fake? Not to steal too much of their their, their title there, but um, but certainly we've been doing that for a couple of years, and that's a great deal of fun. So trying to look at it from different directions, absolutely. And you got to be careful though these days because there's so much stuff with with YouTube and with the the ghost apps that you can put on your phone and your iPhone. Oh and yeah. everything. it's so easy to fake evidence these days. Oh, I agree. That's why when Clayton and I look at things, we look at things that have been taken. With multiple angles, multiple witnesses, expert witnesses, pilots, those kind of things. If you get into the UFO field, I think a lot of that you have to go out because, yes, 
you can do effects on your home computer that couldn't be done, you know, uh, by a movie studio uh, without millions of dollars of expenditure just a few short years ago. So you're absolutely right. I think you have to look very skeptical, uh, skeptically at all those videos. I love when people accuse us of doctoring footage. I'm like, really? I'm lucky I got the lens cap <laughs> off the camera. <laughs> I used to be really tech savvy, but then the world just passed me by. Yeah, I think it does. It. I think we all have to keep uh, training ourselves because everything's moving so fast. But as long as we can keep figuring out how to podcast and people can keep figuring out how to download them, shows like yours and shows like ours will continue to to keep on talking about the paranormal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, looking forward. Next hour, we'll talk about some of these stories and we'll share some of the spooky stories. Absolutely. And as we're getting closer to Halloween, it's the perfect time. It's a it's a rainy night here. Uh, I don't know where you are, Jim, but here where we are, it's. It's uh, very rainy. It's like a nor'easter out there, so it's like the perfect night to hear these kind of stories. Yeah, well, I'm in Ohio, but out there I know it's a dark and stormy night, and uh, we hope that everybody will uh, snuggle up uh, by their maybe by their fireplace and, and listen to the stories coming up. As our announcer always says, turn on all the lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades, because we're going to be having some of those type of stories for you coming up in the second hour with Jim Harold. Again, if you want to purchase his book, just go to jimharold.com. You can get it on amazon.com. We probably have it in the Spooky Store by now, Matt Costa. Yep, there you go. It's right in the Spooky Store on spookysouthcoast.com. So uh, very many ways you can get it, and it's probably in your local bookstore, too. So you got plenty of time. Run out there, grab it tomorrow, and you can uh, have the stories for tomorrow night and for Halloween. When we come back, uh, we're going to just really quickly uh, touch base with Tiffany Rice about her event that's coming up on November 5th for just a couple minutes, and then we'll get right into the stories with Jim. Uh, a couple other things that I do want to mention, and, and Jim, you had him on your show, Christopher Corotino, former oh, yeah. Christopher Lutz. He's got his big pay-per-view coming up on Halloween night. That's going to be $5 a person. Uh, $5 of you if you go to, uh, it's tvoop.com, T-V-O-O-P.com, and you can also go to AmityvilleHorrorChallenge.com. Uh, are you interested in, in seeing what he has to say? Uh, yeah, I am interested in seeing what he has to say. I mean, we had an interview, we talked. He certainly has a different perspective, and uh, as uh, he said on my program, and I'm sure in his discussions with you, he just feels that the real story has not been told. Um, you know, he went as far to say that there was a very specific reason why those spirits were visited upon his house. He kind of laid the, I guess, the blame on the doorstep of George Lutz for playing around in the occult. So, yeah, I think it'll be fascinating to hear what he has to say. And the only problem is we all got to pay five bucks to hear it. <laughs> but hey, you know, it's no dare if he bought if he paid a book if he put it out in a book form, you'd pay a lot more. So that's true. And then so this uh, this will be Halloween night. So uh, we've got all kinds of things. Coming up for you in the second hour of this show, but we're hoping that we can scare the pants off you before. Well, I know, you know, some of you single people out there, yeah. you know, you can uh, call Moniz for that. But we just <laughs> we just want to <laughs> we just want to make sure that we send you to bed and give you some nightmares. So we'll be right back with some scary stories, some interesting stories, some poignant stories from the new book, Jim Harold's Campfire: True Ghost Stories, coming up in just a few minutes after the news here on Spooky South Coast. King Kong, lock a zombie with no conscience. Question, what do these things all have in common? Everybody knows I'm a spooky South Coast monster. Conquer, stop, you stop your silly nonsense. Nonsense, none of you niggas.
All right, welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. Uh, I like the the Jay Z intro there. We we caught one, but not the other. <laughs> That's fine. All right, uh, let's uh, before we get back into the discussion with Jim Harold uh, and about his book Jim Harold's Campfire: True Ghost Stories. Uh, we do want to just spend a couple minutes talking to our friend Spirit Medium Tiffany Rice, who has an event coming up on November fifth. Good evening, Tiffany. How you doing? Oh, yeah. Matt's got to turn on the, the caller line. There you go. How are you, Tiffany? Oh. <laughs> Hi. How's everybody doing? Oh, spooktacular as always. Good. Good. So, Enjoying the storm? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We got to drive home in it. So uh, tell everybody about uh, what's coming up November 5th. Well, I'm having my Spirit Connections event. It's actually taking place at the center in East Bridgewater. It's actually right off of Route 18, South Shore Mass. It's going to be from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. I'm having most of my guests that have been on the show, Spirit Connections, that I do on Tuesday nights. It's going to be a meet and greet. I know I'm having Andrew Lake there, Matt Moniz, uh, the Phantom P.I. crew is going to be there. going to have some people doing some readings, Terry Jamrose and Mandy Avery. And it's going to be a meet and greet, book signing, and presentations galore. So it's definitely something that you probably want to, Try to do if you can. It's eight dollars to get in, and kids under five are free, and so you could actually bring the whole family if you wanted to. There you go. And what are the times on that again? That's going to be from eleven to seven, November fifth, this Saturday, a week from today. Week from today. All right. So if you if you don't have uh, if you haven't seen some of these people on spirit connections of course you can go back and watch all the archives and uh, now that you've moved uh, to the big studio there uh, you know you can now watch it not only on spooky tv but also on uh, wareham community television too as well excellent yep exactly exactly that just happened a couple weeks ago so anybody who wants to check it out they can go to either spooky backslash spooky tv just like you guys got in here tonight or you go to wctv and it's channel 30 on Comcast, channel 9 on Fios. So it's, it's in the Wareham region, though. So, um, yeah. I would definitely I gotta, love to hear from you guys. I got to beg to differ on that, though. I think it's channel thirty on FiOS and channel nine on. Oh, Comcast. did I get it? I got it backwards. I'm sorry. Well, just because uh, I watch a lot of Wareham TV and I'm a FiOS guy, so I know that it's channel thirty. And that's, right. that's where I was watching you the other night with Mike Markowitz. Yes. Yes. Did you like it? Oh, of course. The, I always enjoy Spirit Connections, and if if you haven't seen it, you should absolutely go back and watch it on the archives. I did. <laughs> I did. I well, hope everybody yeah, else. I'm talking did. about everybody else. All right. So uh, I missed anything. Is, is there a show coming up this Tuesday? Yeah, this Tuesday at eight p.m. I'm going to have the Phantom PI crew on. They're actually a, a paranormal group based out of Wareham, Excellent. and they go on doing paranormal investigations. So, yep, yeah, they just premiered couple weeks ago and they're going to be coming out with their second episode in a couple weeks so i'm going to have them on and talk to stephanie burke and carlton wood awesome well, well we will all be tuned in tuesday night at eight o'clock on spooky tv on spooky com, and on wareham tv all right excellent all right, thanks november 5th again november 5th 11 to 7 at the center in middleborough um nope it's actually in east, east bridgewater. bridgewater east bridgewater yep yeah. All right, so uh, and everybody can just go to your Spirit Medium Tiffany page on Facebook uh, for all the updates and details, right? Definitely, definitely. All right, so, so uh, all right. Hopefully, uh, if I don't have to work, I'll see you there. But I know that uh, tons of spooky South Coast listeners will be there. Excellent. Thanks, guys, for having me on. All right. Happy Halloween. You too. All right. Bye. Right. Bye. 
Again, that you can go to her spirit medium Tiffany page on SpookySouthCoast.com. I mean, uh, on Facebook, and you can find it all linked up on SpookySouthCoast.com on the Spirit Connections page there as well. So, all right, now we're going to get right back into the discussion about Jim Harold's campfire, true ghost stories with the author of that book, Jim Harold. You know him from the Paranormal Podcast and from the Jim Harold's Campfire Podcast. And Jim, I, I got to ask you, what's out of all these stories that you're putting together, both for the book and in the podcast, uh, you know itself. What's the strangest story that you've ever heard? Well, uh, one that I had that I call actually in the book is the spookiest story, and I think because it talks about something I think most of us are fascinated by, is called Lucifer and the Lamp, and it's about uh, about a Ouija board. Would you like me to read you a little bit of it? Sure, if you don't mind. Well, here it is. Uh, this is actually, and this is what I love about it. We have people from all over who listen to the program. So this is from Leanne in Utah, and she says, I was about 15, and my friend Bridget and I were looking for something to do after school one day, and she suggested a Ouija board that she had at home. So we pulled it out and set it up on the floor. In order to make it a little more spooky, I guess, she turned off all the lights and just had a lava lamp on. It was set right next to the board. She started asking questions like, is anyone there? And it seemed to be responding, the board that is. And she asked for it to give us a sign. We waited. Nothing happened for a while, so we moved on, and she kept asking other questions. And out of the corner of my eye, I noticed the lava lamp. All of the wax was collecting in one solid ball, which I thought was weird. So I kept watching it, and slowly it was forming into the shape of something. So I pointed it out to my friend, thinking that this was our sign. As we watched, it shaped into the form of the head of a devil. And it was so detailed, and there's no way that a lava lamp could have made that much detail. Its mouth was open like it was growling. It had fangs. Its eyes were very angry. It was facing us. It didn't move within the water of the lava lamp at all. It faced us the whole time. And then I said to my friend, oh, my God, it's the devil. And we both took our hands off the board immediately, and it just went back to the lava lamp bubbles. She says after that, I didn't play with the board much. I tried it one other time with a friend, and I made sure every light on the ho- in the house was on and the windows were open, thinking that the dark maybe had something to do, it, to do with it. Now, Leanne says she doesn't know if it was evil necessarily because it went away and it wasn't threatening. She thinks maybe it was something playing a joke on them, a spirit. She's not sure. Uh, but she does think it was something, and it did pique her curiosity about all different matters paranormal. She just thinks something had to have made that lava lamp do that. And I would tend to agree. <laughs> oh, sure. What, what yeah. surprises me, though, she says she's not going to play with the board anymore, but did she keep the lava lamp? That's what I want to know. I'd throw that thing out <laughs> in the trash right away. I'd be sending that thing to John Zaffis. Exactly. That's a good point. I think John would be a perfect person to send it to. No, I, I just that whole idea of just that glob stuff in the middle of a lava lamp just turning into the face of the devil, I thought that was pretty weird. That was that was one of my favorite stories in the in the book and again you know it's 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 hard not to as somebody who you know discusses this stuff for a living it's hard not to put some analysis on that though and say you know look at it from different perspectives it could have been something evil it could have been something that was forming as a result of them playing with the Ouija board it could just as easily have been you know a kind spirit trying to scare them enough to get them to stop playing with the board too yeah that's actually a very good point and uh uh, that that could be maybe you're you're doing something that could potentially be dangerous. So I'm going to scare you away, 
and therefore you won't play with it anymore. I actually did not think about that. So that's very novel. I like that. I like that idea. And then we have a lot of other great stories in the book. One of the one of my favorites is uh, it's called "Would You Like a Spot of Tea?" And the, the thing I love about that is, first of all, it's from uh, a listener in the United Kingdom, and just kind of shows. I mean, in this book, you have stories from people from Norway, United Kingdom, the United States, Canada, Colombia, you know, a smattering Australia, all over the world, and it's just kind of fun. Can I share this one with you as sure. well? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, here, this one, uh, this is a little bit longer. Now, this is from Dave in the United Kingdom, and he says this is kind of a second-hand star, uh, story. His partner, Paula, her family, he says that they describe themselves as spooky, so they are always getting into kind of little different paranormal things. So it turns out that actually, of all of them, his, uh, Paula's mother is the, has the most amazing experience he ever heard of. Uh, it turns out that, uh, so essentially his mother-in-law said that she often has small medical procedures, so she has to go to the hospital a lot. And she goes to the National uh, Health Service now and again. So she was there, and she was in hospital, as they say, over there. And um, she was up late, couldn't get to sleep. So um, a nurse came around and talked to her for a few minutes and asked her if she was okay. And she asked her if she wanted a cup of tea. And at that point, she said yes, that she would. And then the nurse walked away. Now, for a while, she realized there was something strange about this nurse, but she couldn't quite figure out what it was. So the nurse went away, and she didn't come back for a long time. Maybe it was as long as an hour. She came back with the cup of tea, and then Paula's mom realized what it was. She had on an old-fashioned nurse's uniform, you know, with the old hat and so forth. Sure, yeah. Not like the scrubs now. And um, this woman asked the nurse, she said, what's the deal with the old uniform? And the nurse apparently just smiled and walked away. The next morning, she checked with one of the nurses uh, and tried to go over all the nurses that were on duty that night, and there wasn't anybody like that at all. There was only one nurse on duty, in fact, and she hadn't been in an old-time uniform. So, this woman became convinced that she'd seen a ghost. Now, she regularly goes and sees psychics, Dave says. So she went and she talked to this psychic and told her, uh, told him of the experience. And the psychic basically said, I'm getting the name Lily. So time went on, and uh, being a little bit on the sickly side, the ill side, she ended up going back to the hospital. And she started talking, uh, while she's at the hospital, she started talking with one of the nurses. And uh, she said, you know, I had this weird experience with this nurse in this old-time uniform. Um, what is, what's up with that? I mean, do you guys wear old-time uniforms? And she said, oh, no. She said, there's nobody like that. You, you met uh, our resident ghost. She said, really? She said, yeah, you met our resident ghost, Lily. <laughs> So, I mean, imagine being served uh, tea by a ghost nurse. That is, uh, that's, you know, that's what makes it really disconcerting sometimes, some of these stories, uh, to see how much of a connection people have made with the spirit. I mean, we chase around looking for them just to catch a glimpse of them as they, you know, shimmer in and out of our reality. But here are people who have had face-to-face encounters with them. Oh, Yeah. And the thing is, is that they're not always negative. Actually, I'll tell you a story that was not in the book because it 
just was fairly recent. But one of my favorite stories, and this is a case where it was a positive experience. Uh, this woman recalled when she was a real small girl, she got um, separated from her stepmom. And I believe it was in a park or something. And she couldn't find her. She was terrified. Where's my mom? Where's my mom? So anyway, she's wandering all over the park. She's very small. And she comes upon this woman on this bench who calls her over, and she's an older woman. And she said, um, uh, honey, what's wrong? And she said, well, I've lost my mommy. And she said, well, just come here and stay a little bit. And she remembered this woman had the most intense blue eyes that she'd ever seen in her life. So after a while, the mom comes along um, and, and finds the little girl and calls her over. And the girl runs. She's so happy. She, um, she's so excited to see her mom, and she's not lost and everything. And she says, oh, Mommy, I've got to go over and thank the nice lady who helped me. And she said, what lady? Oh, the woman was sitting, sitting there, you know, who she told me to just be calm and everything. And she said, honey, there wasn't anybody sitting on that bench with you. So <laughs> she thinks it may have been an angel that was there to help protect her. We do hear a lot of stories about that. We, we do hear... Yeah. And I, I, don't, I think that's something important to, Paul, uh, to, to, to point out, is that just because you have an experience, it doesn't mean it has to be sinister. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean it has to be scary. It could save your life. I mean, um, we have some stories in the book about premonitions, where people's lives were literally saved, and one of them happens to be mine. And uh, uh, although I, I, I think it was more of a realizing something, it didn't really save my life, I don't think, but... But I, I think that some of these things can be quite positive. They don't all have to be bad or spooky or a devil in the face of a lava lamp. But it does seem, though, like people want to share more of the darker stories uh, than they do the more positive. The, the positive experiences are something that they can take and, and hold on to, and they know that, that that's what it was. They know that maybe they had an angelic encounter or the deceased spirit of a loved one. Those are the ones that people have no problem uh, internalizing. It's, right. it's the negative ones that they have the problems with that they want to tell you that happened to them so that you don't think that they're crazy. If if my grandmother comes and talks to me, I don't care if anybody believes me that it's true, but when I encounter something evil and negative, I need somebody else to believe me. See, now, here's the thing. There are people who believe that all spirits and everything that, that is conjured up this way or it appears, it's all of the devil. And then you've got people way on the other side who say, oh, it's all sweetness and light, and everything's here to help us. And, it's, and if you think it's evil, you're just misinterpreting it. I tend to fall in the middle. I think that the spirit world is probably like our world. And I tend to think there are probably some very kind, good characters, loved ones. And then I think there are probably characters out there that don't, uh, don't wish us that well. It's interesting. I've interviewed Marianne Winkowski. Uh, for my program, she's the woman that the Ghost uh, Whisperer is based on. And actually, I'm from Ohio, and she's from the same area of Ohio as I am. I've had her on the program. And she said um, that when people cross over, they don't instantaneously change. If they're nice, caring people here, they're nice, caring people over there. 
if they're a jerk over here, they're a jerk over there. If they have a sense of humor over here, they have a sense of humor over there. I don't know. That kind of makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, we also would expect that when you do pass and you realize that there is something more, even if you're stuck in between, you know, and you're trying to get to that something more, you would think that it might smarten you up a little bit, too. Yeah, yeah, but people are set in their ways. I mean, you talked about those stories. You talked about if you had a chance to talk to your, your grandma. And uh, actually, I have one called Goodnight Grandpa that I can share with you, which I thought was Sure, cool. absolutely. This one is from uh, Thomas in Illinois. He said, when I was a kid, my grandmother watched us a lot. The night of his grandfather's funeral, he decided to spend the night uh, at my grandmother's house the way I usually did. This is Thomas speaking. When my grandfather was alive, there was almost a ritual that he would perform. In the middle of the night, he'd walk down the hall and go into the kitchen. Uh, I'd be sleeping on the couch, and from my vantage point there, I could see into the kitchen. Uh, He'd go in for a piece of fruit or something into the refrigerator like that, and I would hear him walk back up the hall. I'd awaken slightly and hear him crunch into an apple or something as he was walking back up the hall going to bed. As I mentioned, the night of his funeral, I decided to spend the night there because I just wanted to feel closer to him. For some reason, in the middle of the night, I woke up because I heard somebody walking down the hall, and I wasn't sure if it was my grandmother getting up for something. I know I was awake because I pretty much sat up on the couch and waited for her to come down the hall, but she never did. All of a sudden, there was a light on in the kitchen as if someone had opened the fridge, and I was thinking... Okay. I was sitting there waiting, and the light went off, and I didn't see anyone come out of the kitchen. It was light enough in the house that you could see someone walking in and out of the kitchen. After the light shut off, I heard someone walking down the hall. I heard a crunch, like an apple being bitten into. So I just kind of rolled over, said, Good night, Grandpa, and went back to sleep. I have absolutely no doubt in my mind there is so much more after this life. In the years since, I've had a chance to process it. And the experience really has helped me deal with any kind of loss in my life because I know that they're still here. You know what I mean? I'm sad that they're gone, but I can say goodbye to them and feel as though I'm going to see them again. That's Thomas from Illinois. Well, I I mean, I had, when my grandfather passed, you know, he appeared before me uh, not Mm -hmm. that long after. So, uh, and it's... And I wasn't the only one either. It happened to other people in my family too. So, I mean, it it definitely is that, that familial connection after our loved ones have passed on. Taking a step back, though, to what we were saying before about people uh, retaining the personality that they had in life uh, when they cross over into spirit, I'm almost wondering if whatever the unknown physics properties are that allow them to take that form, if it also forces them to retain that same personality as well maybe what's holding them together in that likeness of who they were when they were alive is also holding together that intelligence and that that personality that they had as well that's an interesting thought um i i think and the, the thing about this is that you can literally talk about the possibilities for hours and the truth is i don't and i said this recently and it's kind of depressing but i just think it's the way it is i don't think the answers will ever be found in my Lifetime, because mm-hmm. the things that we're talking about, and I'm sure you get the same question, why is the paranormal so popular? And I think the reason the paranormal is so very popular is simply because it really gets to the major questions of life. Is there a God? Um, 
Do we live on after we die? Uh, can you communicate with loved ones who have passed? You know, when you get into questions of UFOs, are there, is there life on other planets? I mean, I think the reason all of these things are so incredibly popular is because it's really just another way of asking and trying to find answers to those basic questions we all want to know the answers to, even the skeptics. You know, uh, it, late at night... When the lights are out and there's no one to impress, I bet you the skeptics say, well, could there be life after death? Could there be ghosts? <laughs> well, could there be a higher power? I think they ask those questions, too. Well, it, to me, it's not just the fact that the skeptics are, are sitting there pondering those questions as they drift off into sleep. It's the fact that when they hear a bump in the night and they wake up, they're too afraid to get out of bed because it might be a ghost. <laughs> that could be very true. I can just ima- I can just picture sometimes, it, it, you know, and I don't know why, but when I picture it, you know, uh, Michael Shermer and James Randi are actually in the same bed, but they're laying there with the covers pulled up <laughs> over their heads, and neither one of them wants to actually get out and go see what that noise was. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think we all have these questions, even if we're very skeptical about things. We, we still kind of have that, uh, that little bit of us that says, oh, well, that, that may actually be true. I do believe that that is the case. A skeptic is just a believer waiting to happen. Ah, I like it. I You're like welcome. It well, I'm assuming, too, with a lot of these stories that were, were coming in uh, as you were taking them uh, both for the podcast and putting them together into the book, though, you do have a lot of stories of spirits that have retained their identity uh, after after they've passed on. Does it seem like a lot of these stories, though, are tales of almost like ghosts in crisis when you when you get these ghost stories? Are they almost like ghosts that don't realize what has happened to them and they're they're somehow stuck? Mm, not as much. It doesn't seem like there there might be some torment and things, but I and maybe it's just the the people that listen to my show. I tend to get kind of more reaffirming stories. One that I'll share actually, which is not in the book because it was very very recent, maybe in the last two or three weeks, that I love. I love this story. Uh, it was about this woman about my age, early 40s, and her uh, mom had passed away, unfortunately, when she was 12 years old. And what ended up happening was is that uh, they had different bedroom furniture that went from house to house as she grew up, and they had this one dresser with a mirror that her mom used, and it went on three different houses, and every house they would take it to, different members of the family would go into the room and they would see the reflection of the mother. Now, but remember, the woman died of cancer. She was very ill at the time. But when they would see her reflection, she would be in the full flower of health, you know, looking at her very best and looking happy. And then, but that's not even the best part, uh, the woman ended up having a, small, uh, having a son. And uh, one night uh, or one day the son was upstairs in the bedroom where this furniture was, I guess, and was talking to someone. Her mom thought, that's odd. There's nobody up there. So she went to check on him. And um, the boy was there by himself. And this is in the south. Uh, and uh, she said, well, where are you, who are you talking to, son? And she sa- he said, uh, well, I'm just talking to my other sissy. Uh, I guess that that was a term they used for the aunt of the family, sissy. It's in the south again. So anyway, um, she didn't see anyone. She said, oh, that's cute. You have a little imaginary friend. That's very nice. Imaginary aunt. Go along with your real aunt. That's very nice. So she 
didn't think anything else of it. A few days later, her and her sister, Sissy, were uh, looking at um, some photo albums. And they came upon a picture of their late mother. Well, the little boy comes over and looks at the picture and says, Oh, there's my other sissy, the dead one. Well, (laughs) so, uh, I mean, again, I I believe that these people have a way of crossing, uh, crossing, and and maybe there are tormented souls out there, and there are some, there's some stories that we have of, of some more spooky kind of things like that, but... For the most part, I we do get a lot of affirming stories. Well, I have to tell you, I hear stories uh, probably twice a week of young children who have made connections with loved ones who have passed on that they didn't that they never met. You know. Oh, I believe that. Yeah, I absolutely believe that because I think they're more sensitive. But I'm hearing these stories. It's funny. I'm not hearing them from fans or listeners of the show. I'm not hearing them from people that I speak to in the paranormal story. I'm just hearing them from other parents having a, a young child and hearing them from you know people at the school and people in the PTA. You know, the, that's where I'm hearing these stories from, and it seems to be something that is is widespread. I mean, these children, like you said, they they have that innocence. They don't have the blinders that are built into us over time. But it seems like these loved ones are purposely coming back and and keeping an eye on them for us. Oh, I, I believe it. And I think we do have sensitivities as, as humans. And I had mentioned earlier, and this is one of my favorite stories in the book, it's not really a ghost story. Now, in the book, I have to be, you know, the, the publisher subtitled it True Ghost Stories, and that's probably a huge percentage of the stories in there. But there are also some UFO stories. There's some stories more like kind of like the communication from beyond after-death communication with loved ones, uh, things that really can't be uh, categorized. But one of the things I love in the book is um, the investigation into the idea of premonition. And one of my favorite stories, absolute favorite stories, is a woman from Canada, one of our listeners from Canada. And what happened to her was is uh, her family was from Hungary. So she wanted to take her husband to go over and visit Hungary. So they traveled over, and it was a very long and exhausting trip, and they got into their destination about 2 o'clock in the morning. I think a relative picked them up at the train station or something, and they went over to this, um, they went over to this, uh, this apartment that they had arranged to rent, and the proprietor came, and they showed them the room, and the relative was there, and this couple was there, so there are four people there, and they're showing the room, and the woman starts insisting that they move the bed, and um, they're thinking, okay, it's two or three o'clock in the morning, why in the world would she want the bed moved. And she didn't even know why she wanted to move. She just had a strong feeling that bed needed to be moved. And her husband basically said, honey, it's 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. You know, everybody's tired. And this was heavy European furniture. It's not cheap stick furniture, you know, that, uh, uh, that, that you get from the supermarket. Well, she kept arguing, and finally they moved it. So the couple went to sleep, turned out the lights. Hour or two later, a huge crash. They actually think that a car has hit the building, that it was so loud, so violent. Husband gets up. He's stepping through glass, trying to watch not to cut himself. He goes and turns on the light. It turns out that a huge bookshelf with heavy glass and heavy books, big bookshelf, falls down, 
falls right where that bed would have been had they not moved it, and surely where one of them would have been sleeping and probably killed. Wow. And something told her, and she didn't even know why at the time. She thought it was illogical, too, but she knew that that bed had to be moved. I mean, to me, I don't know what you call that. I call that, I call that a premonition, a life-saving premonition. Now, the proprietor of the building later that morning said, that bookcase had been there as long as he'd been around. The family had owned the place for years, as long as he could remember. That uh, bookshelf was safe and secure until that night, and then that very night it fell down. Um, I mean, to me, that's something. Uh, now, the lot of skeptics would say, coincidence. Yeah. That's, I don't think so. Yeah. Would it have been a coincidence if they had moved it and <laughs> something bad had happened, you know? It's... Yeah, exactly. Well, I can tell you, Almost, this, almost uh, like a not as cool version of that story happened to me, but it did happen when I was a teenager. And this is in the book. Um, I had gone down south to to visit with some family, and got word that there was a young lady in town who kind of uh, uh, see me around town and said, "Hey, I'd like to meet him." And I'm like, "Hey, I'm a I'm a young guy. I'm a teenager. I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll meet her." So we were going to just go for a very nice, innocent walk through the town just to chat with each other. And uh, this was a very rural area. Um, Not even really a two-lane road, more like a a one-and-a-half-lane road with no straight down the middle. And we were walking, and there was a log truck, one of those huge log trucks that was sitting by the side of the road with the big chains, you know, big, big trees on it, basically. And... um, we were walking past it, I on the right side, she'd split off and gone on the left side. We were walking around it, both on our own side. I thought, Jim, you need to get away from this. This is dangerous. Those logs could fall off. Don't know why it occurred to me. Uh, and then I got past them. I'm like, ah, oh, there you go, being paranoid again. No logs fell off or anything. Walked about 10 or 15 feet past that truck. Heard a big rumble turned around, every log on that side of the truck had fallen off exactly where I was walking moments wow. before. Well, if they'd fallen off while I was walking there, I'd probably been dead, and we wouldn't be talking right now. <laughs> or if we were, it'd be... Uh... Yeah, then it'd really be interesting, right? Well, if anybody has any stories that they'd like to share with us and with Jim Harold, you can give us a call, 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420. Maybe one of these stories has happened to you and you'd like to share. And uh, if you don't share it with us tonight, you can always share it with Jim on his uh, Campfire podcast, Jim Harold's Campfire. And you can find out more about that on jimharold.com, which is linked up with SpookySouthCoast.com right on the front page as well. So you'll be able to get to his site and check out his program. How often do you do the shows, Jim? Oh, uh, Campfire comes out every week. Paranormal podcast comes out every week as does paranormal reports so uh actually with all of the various shows i do i put out six shows a week i actually have a, a plus network as well but i i always say to people you know it's bonus content that you can subscribe to you know a pay fee or whatever but don't even worry about that right now just uh, check out the site jimherald.com j-i-m-h-a-r-o-l-d.com uh, and you actually have access to over 400 free shows there Archive going back all the way to wow. 2005. I've never taken a show down. And, again, we've talked. We've even had some guests on who 
uh, unfortunately, are no longer with us who we've interviewed. So you can go back in the uh, archives and uh, really check it out. There's a, there's a lot there. And uh, we think you'll like it if you like this kind of subject matter. Absolutely. And, of course, uh, if you use Stitcher on your smartphone to get our show, you can also get Paranormal Podcast on yep. there. Is, uh, is Campfire on there, too? Yes. There you go. Absolutely. So. Stitcher is great. It is, and, and what a great tool it is for, for people who don't know how to get to podcasts and people who do have trouble navigating that world. You can just get them delivered right onto your cell phone or onto your uh, yeah, iPhone absolutely. or iPod, whatever you use. Yeah, it's just, I mean, once people figure out, it's really pretty easy. And, and as far as, like, even, you don't even need, I mean, if you just want to listen at your computer, you can just go to jimherald.com and click play and listen to them right there. So it's really, if you can play a video on YouTube, you can listen to a podcast. There you go. And uh, one of the topics that was coming up while you were sharing some of these stories with us in our chat room on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com, one of the things that we, we that I was seeing pop up in there is the discussion about how when people pick up a book like this, you know, they're they're expecting sometimes a little too much of the scary story. And when you were talking with the publishers and putting everything together, was there anybody that was saying that you had to have an emphasis on that? Because to a lot of people, you know, the, the uplifting stuff is too much chicken soup for the soul for them, and they want to be able to put a scary cover on on the front of it and put it out on the bookshelves in October. I mean, did you meet any kind of tension from the publishers, from editors, from anybody to have, you know, to deliver too much of the scary stuff and not enough of the other stuff? No, 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 not at all. New Page Books, uh, who uh, published the, the, the book, and also our, uh, Jeff's publishers on many of his books, Jeff Belanger, we talked about, not at all. They were very supportive. They they liked the book, and so far the results have shown. I mean, if you go on Amazon.com, I think it's got four and a half stars. We're close to five, but not quite there, but four and a half stars. And I think it's got that mix. I mean, we do have more spooky stories in there. We have stories of... Uh, you know, uh, beasts with red eyes looking back from you in the woods and and uh, out-of-body visitors. And, and I'll share one with you in a little bit about a little creature that came to visit somebody while they were uh, asleep. So maybe it's my own bias towards the, the uplifting stories, but not at all. I mean, they were very, very supportive. Um, you know, they they pretty much, I mean, they did very little to change the book. I mean, they went through and did a little bit of editing and just made sure everything flowed, but uh, they were very supportive, and I think they were happy with the outcome. Well, I do think that the po- the positive stories for people who are maybe not yet believers, I won't say non-believers, but I'll say not yet believers, those positive stories are what helps them make the connection and start to think that it is plausible, and then they're more likely to think that those really scary ones are true ghost stories. Well, I had one here. That was, uh, this isn't uplifting at all. <laughs> <laughs> this is one that's pretty, uh, uh, and I won't read it uh, verbatim, but uh, one listener actually had a situation where her uh, mother, uh, her stepmom, I believe it was Jackie in Nevada, I believe it is. I'm just double-checking that. But um, she had a situation where she had a stepmom, and just weird stuff would always happen around the stepmom. And at one point, they had this big stump of a tree thing that sat on their TV. I guess it was some kind of ornament. And it literally went and levitated throughout part of the house, which was wild enough. But then here was the the weirdest thing, is that they would, um, her mom would be sitting around, and then rats would fall from the ceiling, and mice would fall from the ceiling around where her mother was. And this would only happen to her, her stepmom, 
and they actually went as far to set traps and try to catch rats. Could never find any evidence of them. But when certain times when she'd be around, they would just fall out of nowhere. Could you imagine that? Now that's spooky. Yeah. Sitting in your living room watching TV and having rats falling from the ceiling. I mean, that's real life spooky. Oof. But it, it seems though that uh, a lot of these. We were talking before about the, the paranormal media and about the desensitization of people to some of these ghost stories. I mean, it's almost like now it's got to be something really profound to scare them. Like I know the general public, for example, love these paranormal activity movies, these these last three paranormal activity films that have yeah. come out. They think that they're the scariest thing they've ever seen. And people who are in the paranormal field and actually go out there on investigations and everything are saying, wow, a lot of that stuff is lame. You know, I see doors right. open all the time and that doesn't creep me out. Right. Well, I think, you know, the thing is, is that let's, let's, say, let's say for 100% certain that this phenomena exists. The phenomena is not going to adapt and change to fit whatever the popular culture flavor of the month is. So if spooky to you are the Saw movies, you know, uh, paranormal activity is not going to necessarily, you know, start stabbing people. You know what I'm saying? I mean, whatever the phenomena is, if it's real, it's not going to change to fit the latest movie. Uh, so, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, to me, I don't know. If you have communication from uh, dead loved ones, if you see things move around in your house for no reason, uh, if you have rats dropping from the ceiling, uh, if you have a creature visit you while you're going to uh, bed and, and running around your, 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 your apartment, you know, if those things happen to me, to me, those are pretty scary. Now, some people may say, ah, that's not scary. Well, it's not scary, but I bet if it happened to you, it would be scary. <laughs> it would be scary, or at least uh, it would catch your attention. So, I mean, the phenomena is what it is, and what I try to do kind of to my point is, is that I report people's experiences. If somebody has a really wild experience, I will certainly report it. If it's, you know, and, and sometimes that's going to be like, oh, my God, that's the, that's the devil in the lava lamp. Right? Another guy who talked about literally thinking that he saw a face in a tree uh, and that he and a friend actually scared the face in a tree other than the other way around. And, wow. and, 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 and I guess what I'm saying is, is that these phenomena are what they are, and they're not going to change because there's a spookier movie out there. And, again, I report them as they are. I don't try to embellish them. I don't add stuff to them. Um, I think they, they stand up on their own. Of course, I did see Paranormal Activity 3 this past week, and I, I do have to say, out of the three <laughs> movies, it was the best one of the three. But, I mean, then again, I mean, how good are they? And, and then, well, here's the thing. I don't think you have to be either or. I think you can enjoy a spooky movie just like, let me put it to you this way. Somebody could enjoy reading books about true crime, uh, you know, uh, murderers and things like that, or, uh, or heists or those that are based on true stories and, and pretty much play it straight. You can enjoy that, and then you can also enjoy going and watching a Die Hard 17 where, you know, stuff is exploding and it's not really plausible, but there's suspension of disbelief. Just because you read about true ghost stories and that interests you doesn't mean that you can't go and enjoy a movie that's totally out there. You just realize that it's a movie that's totally out there and not based on reality. Mm -hmm. That's the way I look at it. 
And it, you know, and I think there's no better example of how the line has to be intentionally blurred from paranormal to entertainment or from, you know, true life versions of these stories to entertainment than that movie The Right. I don't know if you saw that movie with Anthony Hopkins. Uh, but Matt Baglio wrote a terrific book uh, under the same title about a uh, California priest who goes over to the Vatican and studies, you know, exorcisms and, and works with an actual exorcist and sees firsthand right. some of the stuff. And then it was kind of completely Hollywoodized, and it even says at the beginning, suggested by the book by Matt Baglio. Right. So it's just it shows you that even as good of a true story as that was, and that was a phenomenal true story, they have to add that stuff to it because it's not oh, yeah. enough anymore. Well, I mean, a perfect example is uh, in the interviews over at jimherald.com, if you want to listen to it, I talked at length to Mary Ann Winkowski, as I mentioned before, mm-hmm. who was the, kind of the basis uh, for the uh, famous TV show, The Ghost Whisperer. And she said, you know, at first she had a very hard time with it because she would make suggestions to the producers and say, this is what happens, this is not what happens, because Mary Ann has the ability to, um, you know, she sees dead people, um, as the saying goes. But she would tell them, you know, now this would happen, this will not happen. This is my experience, this is not my experience. And then she would watch the TV show, and there would be six things consecutively that, that were against what she said. And, and what she said was is she just had to learn to live with it. And, you know, again, the producers told her, this is a TV show. This is not totally based on reality, and we have to do certain things. As long as, you know, I don't have a problem with that, and I, and I think in that program that's pretty clear. I think the important thing is that's disclaimed. You know, as long as people are told this is entertainment, it's loosely based on. Now that was goes back to Christopher Quarantino uh, of the Lutz family. That was the problem that he had: is that he felt that the story was so distorted that it gave totally the wrong idea. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it probably. It's different if it happens to you and it's based on your story and you feel that it's in some way twisted. Same thing happened to Travis Walton with his story, Fire in the Sky. Yeah, see, now that, if if it's, here's the point. If it's based on a true story and then that person's story is uh, twisted uh, without their permission or without their um, consent, um, then I think that's a little bit different issue. Well, but you mentioned uh, like what, what Marianne Winkowski, uh, what she went through with them saying, this is a TV show. You know, I, I don't think people don't understand that a lot of these paranormal groups that have television shows, these reality television shows, they get told the same thing by producers. When they go to them and say, you know, that's not really an accurate reflection of what a, an investigation is. Too bad. We're making a TV show here. We have to be entertaining for 44 minutes. And yeah. I think that. Some of them have just learned to live with that and decided that you know they're they're fine with that, and so that I think that has, uh, I, my big caveat to the whole thing is all has to be disclaimed. People have to know, and I think to your point, I think when people watch even movies, and I think that movies have a better case than the documentary style programs. The average person doesn't realize it; they think it's literal. Mm-hmm. So I think I think uh, big old disclaimers, just saying this is loosely based on and. So forth, because I would hate to have an experience and then have it totally twisted. That that would be very distressing to me. 
Usually what happens is when you talk about electronic voice phenomena with people that aren't familiar, you know, they say, oh, like that movie White Noise, which, you know, nobody saw, by the way, when it came (laughs) out. Like nobody ever saw that movie, but all of a sudden everybody knows about it. And uh, <laughs> and they come out and they say, you know, oh, yeah, like in White Noise where, you know, you can look at the TV and the ghost comes through. Well, it's not that easy, you know, no. and it's not that common. It's not like when somebody dies, you can just turn on a TV and talk to them, you know. Only Carol Ann right. can do that. I think the spirit world in general, although we have these stories like the angel story that I told or some of the other stories, but I think in general it's a little more subtle. You know, I think people almost expect Casper the ghost to walk up and tap you on the shoulder. And I just think it's more subtle than that. Mm-hmm. Um, there may be rare cases where it's not, but I, I think it just tends to be something that has a little more nuance to it. We have about uh, about seven minutes left in the show here, Jim. And uh, again, want to remind everybody the book is called Jim Harold's Campfire, True Ghost Stories. It's available from jimharold.com and, of course, amazon.com, wherever you get books, and right on Spooky South Coast in our store at SpookySouthCoast.com as well. But I, I do want to ask you, it doesn't have to be something from the book. It doesn't even have to be something from the show. What's the scariest story that you've ever heard? What What has really creeped you out to the point where it's sometimes it's what you think about when you start going to sleep at night? Um, there was one story, and I, and I hate to say I can't remember all of the details. It's on one of our stories uh, probably a few months back that basically I think that it was, uh, a person had seen, and uh, I'm, I'm remembering this very vaguely, so I apologize, sure. had seen a uh, face in a window, and, um, and, and I believe it was this um, woman had seen a face in the window of like somebody screaming, almost like the scream masks. Mm. And then um, years later, she ended up getting murdered, and when they found her, um, her face actually was in that contortion. Ooh. <laughs> now, um, I believe that's the story. I, I don't have it, st- because literally, I listened to it two or three times, and I couldn't listen to it anymore. Yeah, that's a shame. But I think that was basically the story was, is that she had always talked about this ghost story where she saw something, I think, looking in a window, and it looked like almost like a weird expression. Uh, um, I think like the scream face. Her and I may have been a family member. And it, it, if, uh, if whoever told me this is listening, I apologize if I'm getting it wrong. Uh, but the gist was is that years later she was murdered, unfortunately, and was found with a similar expression on her face. So maybe that was some foreshadowing of, of what was going to be her fate. So I thought that was pretty freaky. Well, we have a big Jim Harold fan in our chat room who says that uh, they believe that was Campfire 53. She saw her dead face. Yes. (laughs) Hey, there you go. Thank you. Well, it's a we we have a lot of uh, a lot of similar fans. We have a lot of people who listen to both programs. So, yeah, I know this this happened when I was on Darkness Radio with Dave Schrader as well. And it's so glad I'm I'm so glad. It's kind of what you said earlier. I guess it's a good note to end up on. I, you know, I think that the great thing about what it is we do is there's plenty of room for all of us because we all take it a little bit different angle. I mean, you guys go out and do more investigations. I don't do any of that. Um, and, and we take it from different angles. I think there's plenty of room for everybody. And I think we help each other's efforts because uh, we get people thinking about this subject matter. And I think uh, it's something that was hidden uh, for too long. And I think shining a light on it, as many of us that can do that, I think that's a positive. 
And I'm sure your audience is just like ours. They're some of the most enlightened people that are out there, and they're the ones that are yep. going to help us get closer to the answers. I agree 110%. And again, thank your listeners so much for tuning in. I hope they get to, uh, able to check out the 400-plus uh, shows over at jimherald.com. And uh, we really, uh, really appreciate so much them uh, them checking it out. And, and if they like that, then by all means, please pick up the book, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and at fine bookstores everywhere. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Jim. Uh, and thank you for helping us get a little creepy as we get close to Halloween. And you know, we'll be tuning in to, to your show coming up. Uh, what's coming up this week uh, with some of your shows? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, I think that we're going to have probably... Uh, either we're going to have Philip Coppins on the Paranormal Podcast who just uh, edited a book for Eric Von Donneken, or possibly Iroquois Supernatural, and then we're going to do some of our favorite campfire stories, kind of a best of for Halloween. So it's going to be a fun week. Perfect. Excellent. Well, we'll be tuning in, and hopefully everybody else does as well. Remember, jimharold.com, that's the website, and it's linked up right on SpookySouthCoast.com as well. So thanks, for, Jim, for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Have a great night and a good Halloween. All right. Uh, again, we uh, we have a few minutes left, so I just want to remind everybody uh, about some upcoming Halloween things. We do have all the Fairhaven haunts that are around here, uh, the home haunts, as well as a few others in the area that are for good causes. You can check that out in the Standard Time story. It's either running tomorrow or Monday, so get out there and check those out. You can also check out the Edaville Ghost Train, which is happening. It was scheduled for tonight, and it's also tomorrow night at 5, 6, 30, and 8. So you can get out there and check out Edaville Railroad Take it through the old tracks, not the current tracks they use now, but the old original tracks, and they're going to stop the train and tell you some spooky stories. And I can tell you that there's some controversy already about some of these stories uh, that I've been hearing based on the story that I wrote the other day in the Standard Times. But there's already people who don't want these stories to be told. So get out there and check it out while you can. It's It's going to be... A very creepy night. They've got some of their most seasoned engineers taking the trains out there. And one of their most seasoned engineers is going to be the one telling the stories. He's been there more than anybody else uh, after dark. And they're taking you out to places in the park where the staff won't even go. So just go to uh, edaville.com to find out more about that. And, uh, of course, the pancake breakfast tomorrow to benefit the village PTA. Uh, I'll be cooking some pancakes. The Silent Assassin will be cooking some pancakes. And uh, we'll have... Lots of our paranormal friends are probably going to be stopping by to eat pancakes because it's only $4 a person, $15 for a family. And you can go and check it out at the Elks Lodge in Wareham from 9 a.m. to 11.30 p.m. There's going to be a costume contest and a parade for the kids. So if you're bringing some kids, make sure they come dressed up in a costume. We're going to have all kinds of other Halloween-themed fun. And plus, you know, it's it's a chance to eat some pancakes. I mean, who doesn't? I don't like pancakes myself, but lots of people do. And you can eat a couple of them and be filled up for the whole day for only $4. So check that out tomorrow from 9 to 11.30 at the Elks Lodge in Wareham. Now, Halloween is upon us on Monday, but don't worry. We're still going to be here next Saturday night. We're here every Saturday night to talk about the paranormal. It's not just an October thing for us. I find it funny when all these other radio stations and radio shows and you know they all have everybody on for the Halloween week and then they don't talk about it anymore the rest of the year. Ha <laughs> ha! We do this every week. It's what we live for. So we will be back next Saturday night to talk more about it with you as well. And you can always get in touch with us on SpookySouthCoast.com. 
That's a place to go to check out all the past episodes of the show. You know, Jim was mentioning the 400-plus shows he has in his archive. We've got probably close to that in our archives, and every one of them are available uh, for download. Go back and check out some of the classic shows. It always amazes me when new people come on board with the program and they start telling me about whatever show they're listening to, and I have zero recollection of what they're talking about. And then I go back and I listen to it and I say, yeah, that was a pretty good show. And I'm amazed at kind of the leaps and bounds that we've made over this time, but we have had some very interesting guests over that time, but of course it's all because of people like you. So Halloween night, if you get nothing to do, you can check out some of our past archives. You can also go to wherehamradio.com which is uh, another venture that I have going on where there's actually going to be some classic old-time radio shows with a Halloween theme, including an original Cape Cod Mystery Theater production that you don't want to miss. So that's going to be Halloween night on wherehamradio.com. And if you want to host your own show on wherehamradio.com, just let me know. It's easy. You just need a microphone on your computer, and that's pretty much it. And something to say, of course. So uh, we'll be back next week again to talk about the paranormal. Until then, for Matt Moniz, for Matt Costa, for Chris Balzano, I'm Tim Weisberg, and we want you all to stay spooktacular and to have a happy and safe Halloween.